Hello, my friends. Simon Miller here just with a quick note about today's episode of the podcast. We'll explain what the podcast has been, but also it was recorded in a very weird fashion. The first half an hour or so was recorded yesterday, which was Wednesday, the 25th of August, and the rest has been recorded on August the 26th of August, which kind of ties in to the reason the podcast has been away. It has been a crazy, crazy time, but hopefully you can understand all of that. Live from Parts Unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller. This is a pro wrestling show. Where the hell have we been for a couple of weeks, right? I know you're rolling your eyes saying, Simon, you always do this, and I do, but I'm also going to be honest, and I'm also going to be very transparent. The last 14 days or so have been absolutely crazy, to the point this past weekend, I didn't get any sleep which is fine. I feel honored and I feel blessed and I feel privileged to be in that kind of position. But between AEW Rampage, the return of CM Punk, SmackDown, SummerSlam, NXT, and a bunch of stuff I have going on on my own life and, you know, personal reasons, blah, 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 blah. It was just a case of that weekend being like, okay, something's going to have to give. And as I always tell you, and you are allowed to be mad at me, it's perfectly fine, I understand, but I do appreciate the support either way. Hence why I try to be honest, because I think that always helps, is that I am the owner and the director of Simon Miller Industries, which is not a real thing. But I know that if I have to sacrifice something, it's one of my own things. Don't get me wrong. I feel terrible within myself. I always guilt myself out. But I also know that no one's going to yell at me unless I want to go in the mirror and shout at myself, which I don't do anymore. It's a joke. I always make those kind of uh, references and people go, oh, no, I don't ever do that. (laughs) Of course, some people do. I totally get it. But I don't think that's helpful uh, at all. But yeah, that's that's basically what happened. And I mean, I've exaggerated a little bit, but genuinely from... Friday, when we were doing Impact, let's just say Friday afternoon, until Monday when NXT was done, I got six hours sleep over those four days. And you will know that if you've got six hours sleep, especially when you're trying to perform on camera, again, want to make it very clear, I love my job, I'm not complaining. But it takes a lot of energy to, because, you know, I want to make sure that I come across, because I am enthusiastic about it, of course I am, but I want to make sure that energy comes through the camera as well. So I had to balance some things out, which, again, just to double down on, I always feel bad about. I do, it's just true. I don't like life winning. <laughs> because clearly I have issues. But I did want to apologize. I wanted to thank everyone that is still supporting me at patreon.com forward slash Simon316. Because that doesn't just support, um, you know, it's not just a, a pot of money. It allows me to do all of my YouTube stuff, which I also missed over the weekend, I know, but again, but it allows me to do that, allows me to do this. Without it, it would all have to go away. It, it truly, truly would. And hopefully that you can see that this is the exception rather than the rule and we'll always get back to it. And for those that do ask, of course, I want to get to the point where we can do a couple of episodes a week. Even if they're just 30 to 40 minutes, little blasts of audio, that would be much better. And I promise to do my best to get into that kind of routine. And if you are mad, you can come yell at me. I'm very easy to find at Simon316 on Instagram and Twitter. It also means a week after the fact, we're going to talk about the return of CM Punk. Now, what I'm hoping is that it was such a big deal and it was such a huge moment in wrestling that you're happy to talk about it and I know I've got lots to say about it and I just think it was one of the greatest moments that's ever happened ever happened in wrestling sports entertainment wrestling whatever the hell we want to call it I thought it was genuinely excellent and I saw uh, Tony Schiavone was giving some details out about it today I believe and originally the plan was that Tony Schiavone was going to go oh hey you know let's all say hello to CM Punk and they scrapped it and I think that just is yet more evidence about how great this was and how they got every single thing right. Because you could have done that. And if we hadn't seen the opposite way, I don't think anybody would have gone, oh, that was terrible. But cutting to the arena, 
brief intro, fans going crazy, cult of personality hitting, one of the biggest evasions I've ever heard in my life. And I cannot believe there were arguments on Twitter. Well, this one was bigger. Who gives a flub, man? I don't give a care. I don't care if anyone was bigger or anyone was less. I just know in that moment, that atmosphere, that aura, that noise, it hit me right in the tum-tum. I got emotional. I'm sure most people did as well. How can you not? It's like an emotional moment. And seeing a dude come back after seven years of being away and look so happy and see, what, 14, 15, 16,000 people in the United Center reciprocate that reminded me why I love wrestling as much as I do. It was There was nothing I would change. I keep saying this, but I mean it. It was perfect. I wouldn't have changed one damn thing. Maybe I would have let him talk for the whole hour. I could have heard CM Punk talk for a whole hour, but that's why I've always found him interesting on interviews as well, because he doesn't hold back. He's very honest. He's very transparent. So you probably could have done that, but maybe then it would have turned into a less is more situation. Again, we wouldn't have known, which is why I just think they ticked every box. And the other cool bit of information that Tony Schiavone put out there was... And look, I'm not, this is not an AEW versus WWE thing. I always want to make this clear. We'll talk about SummerSlam too. And I love the fact that WWE smashed it. You know, they released their numbers and they did great. And Raw did great. Awesome. Honestly, hope that goes up as well. But Tony Schiavone mentioned that all Tony Khan, whoever said to CM Punk was, please mention Darby Allen and please mention All Out. And the rest is all coming from the brain of CM Punk. And it's just something that I would like to see more of in professional wrestling, even when people screw it up. Do you remember before WrestleMania this year, when the rain delayed everything, we had to send some guys to do promos. Some people were excellent at it and some people weren't excellent at it. And the ones that weren't excellent was a bit awkward <laughs> and outstretched. But that's okay because they would have learned from that experience. They would have learned from that kind of environment. Maybe we need to sort of help them along a little bit, but then let them try again. It really is one of the big things for me in pro wrestling. And I know not everyone is going to be as good as CM Punk. But I'm sure if CM Punk had done this 10 years ago, it wouldn't have been well, maybe 10, 20 years ago. It wouldn't have been as good as it was now because you develop and you get better at this stuff. But I was hanging on every word that he had to say. I love the fact that we built it all out. You know, that's just great promotion right there. And then I thought Sting and Darby Allen. I mean, Sting's always a badass. But I thought Darby Allen came across like a badass because he no-sold it completely as the way he should have done. Whereas I'm sure in his, in his stomach, he was doing backflips. Like, how the, how the hell has this happened? I just there, I could just talk about it all day, even though there's not actually when you start talking about it, you realize there's not that much to say because it's all already been said. And I'm just massively fascinated to see where we go from here. It still does feel surreal because I think I said on this podcast before I, I was almost made up in my mind that he'd never go back to WWE. But I thought potentially maybe AEW, but I never I said on here, I don't think it was going to happen. I thought it was unlikely. So there is still this sort of novelty in this or, or, original original the right word well just novelty to it and of course it will become commonplace like by august 2022 cm punk will just be a wrestler he'll be on most shows or doing whatever the hell he wants and he'll still be a super duper star like roman reigns and john cena and you know everybody else in that top tier but you get used to them so it's just like anything right it just is like when you get a brand new iphone you treat it like a baby then within a week you're throwing it across the room because you get used to it but there's nothing wrong with that and it all depends on what this sparks and where it goes and i don't want to go too far down this road because ultimately i don't think fans have to care you just have to enjoy the fact that cm punk is back and he's going to be in a bunch of matches but if he does boost you know rampage dynamite ratings and pay-per-views go up and we get a bunch of matches that captures laps fans interest and so on and so forth 
and he, you know, long term, he becomes a difference maker or a game changer, as they say, then that's absolutely fantastic. That's absolutely brilliant. And if he doesn't, that's absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely brilliant. Because I, the person that sits down to watch wrestling every single week, can see CM Punk versus Darby Allen. I can see CM Punk versus Kenny Omega. I can see CM Punk versus MJF. You know, even the Chris Jerichos and the John Moxies, I'd enjoy that because it's a different spin. One of the matches I'm super excited about would be CM Punk versus Miro. Because, of course, uh, Miro or Rusev debuted at the Royal Rumble 2014. Punk told, uh, said on the Colt Cabana podcast that he went up to Rusev and said, dude, hit me with something big because no one else is going to protect you here, which Rusev did. And I think that was probably a thing between them. So to have sort of that seven, eight, nine, ten years, whatever the hell it would be later, I would find cool as a massive Rusev and CM Punk fan. And that's really where I'm sort of focusing all my energy. All these cool matches we're going to get, the promos that you know CM Punk is still good at because he's proved it to do. I have no problem if he becomes the AW World Champion. I have no problem if he becomes a TNT Champion. I don't understand why anybody would feel slighted by this. You know, people love to go, oh, he's 42 years old. I don't care how old he is. I don't care if he's 72 years old. Look at Sting. I don't look at Sting and go, old man, get out of the business. I'm like, man, Sting is the best. I wanted to be my dad. It's so cool to see him back in a wrestling ring. And I think sometimes we get hung up on these things. If you want to take a step back and start talking about business, of course you need young up-and-coming stars. That's how you keep the business going, right? That's the problem WCW had is they didn't have this cyclical nature when all of a sudden they needed new faces in the main event and there was no one. Goldberg came along, that was one, but they needed seven million (laughs) and they they didn't have it. I mean, I know there were other issues as well, but it doesn't mean that we can't have some fun as and when it makes sense. And that's the key. I always go back to Chris Jericho versus John Moxley. There was a great argument that Chris Jericho didn't need to lose the world championship. And he didn't. It didn't feel like it was overblown. It hadn't sort of reached its peak. But because the fans were so desperate to see Moxley win the championship, AEW decided to pull the trigger. And I can completely see a time where maybe it does feel the same with CM Punk. I'm not saying it's a similar situation, but it's why there's always this sort of retroactive argument about whether or not WWE should have made Hulk Hogan the... Uh, the champion in 2002, whenever the hell it was. I can't remember when he had that massive comeback run. And I've always stood by the fact that I think everything they did do was correct. He had a short few-month title run. I think he lost it back. He beat Triple H. I think he lost it back to The Undertaker. But people were going mad for him at the time. So why wouldn't you capitalize on that? I think CM Punk is a completely different um, situation to that because I think he's still going to be more than good in the ring. I think he's going to be, I've, I've always thought CM Punk was a really good storyteller and a smart worker. So I think he'll absolutely need to, well, he'll absolutely know how to work around any limitations that he may have. And maybe he has no limitations. Maybe it sounds like he's less beat up now than he was in 2014, which is only going to benefit him. But if we come up with a narrative and every single sort of marker along that way says, make him the champ, make him the champ, then make him the champ. And if anything, let's say he probably beats Darby Allen all out, which I don't think is a problem. That's again, something we're all going on about. To me, being CM Punk's first opponent back in Chicago, where you're going to get you get the main event, you just are, no matter when you go on. And they're going to have a great match. I'm absolutely convinced of it. They'll come up with a great finish. And even if it's CM Punk winning, Darby Allen, I feel, is going to come out the end being the bigger star. And it wouldn't surprise me if we did do something a year down the line where Punk is the champion and then Darby Allen beats him and then you're away to the... Your way to the races. You've got a a third match you can do. Well, maybe you do a two and then he wins it on the third. I don't know. But I refuse to accept this criticism that all these quote-unquote old guys coming in are affecting AEW's new guys. Because look what AEW did on Rampage. Look at the people that were on Rampage. They knew it was going to be a showcase or people were going to hang around. And of course, more people tuned in for the CM Punk thing and then a few people tuned out. But they still hedge their bets. And they put John Moxley on there to try and keep people to the end because he is a massive star as well. But you had um, 
uh, Jade Cargill, you had Kira Hogan, you had 2.0, you had Danny Garcia. Do you know, like, we were putting people on there, and Darby Allen, of course, we were putting people on there that AEW clearly wants to get into more casual or mainstream fans' minds, and I thought that rocked. As 2.0 have come up, massive congrats to those guys. I mean, they are... We obviously had them on Kayfabe News. Just two terrific people, like genuinely nice people, and see and good at what they do as well. I'm not, not saying that. And to sort of see them get what I feel like they deserved in an industry where that doesn't always happen, just brilliant. So shout out to the former MRIs 2.0. They're just, again, just two, they're just fun, and I like them. They're absolute goofs, and I'll always be a fan of goofs. So... I thought AEW Rampage was a massive success. Again, the ratings were awesome. CM Punk's t-shirt became the most sold t-shirt ever or something on Pro Wrestling Tees. I don't know what the thing is. It did very well to the point that Pro Wrestling Tees basically had to go and buy all the ringer t-shirts in America, which is a fabulous story. Punk gave away ice cream bars. This is a feel-good story. And that guy that was crying that some people decided to take shots at, I just felt sorry for any idiot that wanted to do that. If you can't understand, like I say, people cry at movies, people, people cry at sports, people cry at books. It all depends on how it hits you. And if you'd rather hide your emotions, well, I just think you're a massive, miserable person. I really do. Not only to the fact that like, I don't cry. I mean, grow up, dude. What the, who the flip are you? And to then sort of outwardly go after somebody else. To me, you're just not living a very good life. I will be the crying dude every single time. Tears are awesome, man. You can cry when you're sad. You can cry when you're happy. You can cry when you're excited. You can cry when you're confused. Sometimes people just cry. <laughs> Why not? I hate it. I don't want to get too off on a tangent here, but it does. It really pisses me off. Like, there's a reason we have tears. They're not alien juice. They are completely built in to our overall, whatever, DNA to tell us something. And if you're enjoying something that much because your passion is overflowing, you should embrace that and realize, man, these are the kind of moments that we need to remember forever. So yeah, tremendous from me. Absolutely tremendous. I have watched it a billion times and I watch it a billion more. And obviously now we'll all dream to get that kind of a pop. How we'd ever do it, I don't know. But of course, we will do our best. We'll move on to SummerSlam as well. I know I'm well late, but hey, better late than never, although better never late. It was an interesting show. Like, the good bits were good and the bad bits were really bad. I suppose we'll start on the negative and then on the positive because that will make us feel better in our tum-tums. But it was just, I mean, the Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair stuff was just, I mean, what a roller coaster ride that was because you had everything with Becky Lynch returning, which was always going to be awesome. That's a, even the way they did it, it's a no fumble uh, comeback for me because people were happy to see her. The only bad comebacks are when somebody, you know, walks to the ring and nobody cares and everybody cared absolutely everybody cared about becky lynch because of course they would she gets in the ring with teased the carmella stuff i thought it was a little bit untoward of wwe not to tell us about sasha banks given they'd known for eight days or whatever the hell the rumor was i think you should always admit it especially because you could then go, you could have done what aew did with cm punk you could have gone okay well uh, sasha banks can't you know uh, compete we're gonna have a mystery person and everybody probably would have presumed that it was becky lynch wwe could have done a great job in telling everyone's becky lynch and then as we have now proven you can do that and fans are smart enough in order to, to you know filter filter that towards you so it's uh, it's just you, you have all this you have a good moment it was a good moment but the the thing that watered it down was that 20 seconds later or whatever it was a few minutes we have the impromptu match, which you didn't need to do because you could just have them facing off and oh, I'm going to face you at the next pay-per-view or they beat up Carmella or they have a triple threat match, right? And Carmella gets pinned, whatever the hell you want to do. 
But to have Becky Lynch win in 25 seconds was like, oh, that's weird. That doesn't do anything for Bianca Belair. So now I'm a little bit disappointed because to me, Bianca Belair has superstar written all over her. I think even with this, she will come good. I understand it was a hot shot angle, but I think talent always rises to the top. But then when you learn that Becky Lynch has apparently pitched to the office, again, it's all rumors, but we'll go with it because it makes for good conversation. That she has pitched to the office that she wants to be a bad guy. Well, then my emotions are all over the place. Because on the one hand, I'm like, what are you doing? WWE doesn't have that many good baby faces. I mean, I'll forget someone, of course, but Drew McIntyre comes to mind. I think he's awesome. Uh, Bianca Belair would be another one, the irony. Uh, Kevin Owens is always good, but they don't really feature him as a top-tier talent as they, as they probably should. Edge, absolutely, you know, smashes it. And on the female side, I mean, you've got Liv Morgan, you've got Tony Storm, but we never get to see them. I'll, I'm forgetting people. There's, I mean, Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley, but they've kind of been taken off to the left side. The point is, it's far, far easier to name heels than it is babyfaces throughout all of WWE, maybe especially in their women's division. So I don't get why WWE agreed. This is where sort of my conflicting feelings come into it, because I think if Becky Lynch does have the sway and she's going to be satisfied creatively, then she should do that. She is an artiste and she should be able to paint the picture whatever way that she wants to. And I'm not saying that she's not going to be able to make it work. Maybe she can. She's a very talented professional wrestler. But I think the overwhelming point is, is I don't want to boo her. And I said this on a video that I think is up on what culture is going up soon, which is why I think it's a massive mistake. And I'll cover both points. Unless she's going to knock on my house and murder my mother, I don't really know what she has up her sleeve where I'm going to get mad. And it does feel like WrestleMania 17 with Stone Cold Steve Austin when we didn't want to boo him. And he was a great heel. I love the paranoid Stone Cold Steve Austin. You can still watch those skits now with Vince McMahon and Kurt Angle and they are funny. But they didn't do anything when it came to numbers. In fact, people stopped watching because they wanted the beer-swilling, rattlesnake-ass-kicker. And when they realized they weren't going to get that, they were like, okay, well, I've had my fun with wrestling. I will now put it back on the shelf. And that's what you don't want to do. And of course, Becky Lynch isn't that big of a star. But within the realms we find ourselves within WWE now, she's up there. I would say it's her and Roman Reigns above everybody else. And I'm sure some people are close, and I'm sure some people are farther away. But that's just how I see it when I look at the situation. So, I don't know. And I guess if the plan is to try and make Bianca Belair a bigger star, then sure, that sounds awesome as well. But it doesn't feel like a very well thought out plan. So having that slap bank in the middle of the show, I think hurt it quite a lot because it left people very, very confused. Although they did finish on an awesome note with the return of Brock Lesnar. And people are like, oh, I can't believe Brock Lesnar is back. Once more, we've done all of this. I like Brock Lesnar. I think he's one of the best wrestlers ever. I see him as a super duper star. So when he comes back, it's cool. And people say they don't want to see the Roman Reigns feud again. I know, but things are very different now. We have the Roman Reigns that we want. Brock Lesnar looks like a flapping, flipping Tekken character or an end-of-level boss JRPG with 37 forms. I'm happy to see good guy Brock versus bad guy Roman, especially given how Roman's been portrayed. And then you have Paul Heyman in between them, which I think is the cherry on top. I'm a bit worried that it's going to be Saudi Arabia, which does lessen it for me, but we've talked about that a thousand times. And I also think in Saudi Arabia, we're going to do Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley too. In many ways, this was worse than the Becky Lynch thing for me because I thought it was so obvious. I thought, Bobby, I'm, I'm an idiot, right? I'm a fool. What were you thinking, Simon? I totally agree with you. But I thought Bobby Lashley was going to Goldberg, Goldberg. It was going to go two minutes. Goldberg with spear, jackhammer. Bobby Lashley can't be hurt. Smashes him back, beats him. Wow, unbelievable. Commentators sell it. Can you believe it? New destroyers here. Rah, rah, rah. But no, Goldberg kicks his ass for a while, which was fine, I suppose. And I like Goldberg. I really, really do. I just don't think this is the way to use him. And then after MVP hits him in the leg with a cane, which he sells like <laughs> about 10 hours later, that's not his fault. These things happen, but it's still funny. 
Bobby Lashley works him over a bit and the ref goes, nah, bro, you're done. I hate that finish. And I'm not saying you can't do that finish because it's very similar to what would happen in a real fight, but it comes down to characterization. I don't want to sit in that kind of a match because I think Bobby Lashley should be continuing this massive push that he gets so that whoever does beat Bobby Lashley then gets Goldberg and whoever else he's run through on their, you know, sort of magic CV or whatever you want to talk about. And I, I just don't think you should be doing it to Goldberg anyway because that's not how we see Goldberg. It just felt lame. It felt really, really lame. I think it popped the balloon of the crowd once more, which was a shame because it was quite close to Seth Rollins versus Edge, which I thought was match of the night. Those two guys are absolutely incredible. You should go and watch it if you haven't already. So yeah, that was uh, that was a real head scratcher. And obviously at the end, Gage jumps on Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley murders him. So Goldberg shouts, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you as Bobby Lashley walks away. So they're going to do it again. And you have to imagine it's going to be at Saudi Arabia because they earn more from the Saudi Arabia shows than they do from WrestleMania. And if somebody is paying you that much cash, you're going to bring out all your top stars. I don't want this. I'm just letting you know what the justification is from their vantage point. I would much rather we held all of that off. Well, not Goldberg and Lashley, but Brock versus Roman. I would rather we held that off for a Survivor Series, a Rumble, a WrestleMania, whatever the hell you want to do. But I don't control it. Otherwise, yeah, everything else is, again, Edge versus Seth Rollins, brilliant. I love the brood entrance. I thought that was so much fun. And you can see that Edge was having the time of his life as well. They're just two brilliant workers. And I think Seth Rollins' character throughout the whole feud has got better and better. He comes across like an absolute loon, which is good. Didn't really understand Eva Marie versus Alexa Bliss. But, you know, it was to build Alexa Bliss into the title program with Charlotte Flair, which I'm also a little bit confused about. But hey-ho, we'll wait and see. And I did think Charlotte versus Nikki Ash versus Rhea Ripley was very good. But again, because the story leading up to it hadn't really stoked my fires... When Charlotte won, I was just like, yeah, okay. I mean, look, really, really good match for while it lasted, but you need that next level uh, storytelling, I suppose, in order to get the big the big pop at the end of it. And RK Bro were just brilliant. Like, it was just the most WWE tag match ever. But that's okay. It led to them being the most over thing on Raw. Eventually, Randy Orton should turn on Riddle and we should build to a match at WrestleMania. That's what I would like. That's how long I would do it. I really do like AJ Styles and Omos, but I think AJ Styles needs to be back in the singles program sooner rather than later because I do think we're wasting his talents a little bit. Most, especially because I don't imagine Omos is going to get much better than he is now. But I'm, look, I am rare blood when it comes to this conversation. I'm happy with him just doing what he's doing. Put him in the silly over-the-top feuds and make him an attraction. And I'm happy for him to just chuck people around. I like the dude. There's just something about him that I like. I think he's quite entertaining. I think he's quite funny when he tries to be... And then RK-Bro winning was the right thing to do. Great way to start everything, and that was that. And now I can't actually remember what else was on the show, which I think is another uh, damning indictment of the thing. It wasn't as major as I was hoping it to be, just because of the things, the big things we did do were a bit like, uh. actually, Damien Priest versus Sheamus I like, mostly because Sheamus won. They kicked the crap out of each other, new US champ. I just hope that they allow Damian Priest to have a run, which they did not do with Sheamus, which was a bit weird because now he's involved with the WWE title on the... It's a difficult one, that, because obviously he comes out and he confronts Bobby Lashley, which I want for Damian Priest. I want him to be in that bracket, but not yet, <coughs> excuse me, not yet if he's in the United States picture because that's the problem we always do with it. Usos versus Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio was also very watchable. Nothing we haven't seen on SmackDown. But all the rumors apparently are that <laughs> WWE wants to turn one of them heel. Ray doesn't want to do it because he understands that none of us want to see that either. Why does everyone have to be a heel in WWE? I don't mind them having father and son problems, but it shouldn't go further than that. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal, I thought was not even disappointing. That's the last match that we haven't talked about. But yeah, it was just there. <sighs> I, 
Well, I don't, really, I don't even have anything to say about it. It was a silly feud. The store, the sword focus was ridiculous. And now we've just left it behind. And who did? And then Jinder Mahal was going after Mansoor on Raw. Bizarre. And Roman Reigns versus John Cena, I thought was excellent. Some people said they didn't like it in the early going because it was too slow. That to me is just a WWE main event match. Last 10 minutes, I thought were, were awesome. Love the finish. You know, Roman Reigns dominant. And then you get Brock Lesnar. That's what I want and expect from my big events. I had no problem with it whatsoever. I think Edge versus, it was, Edge versus Seth Rollins was better. Uh, Roman went longer, actually. Edge went 21 minutes, 15. 21, 15, yeah. And then Roman and Cena was 23 minutes. But though they're my one and two. Uh, Edge and Seth, one. Roman Reigns, John Cena, two. And the rest were all kind of just there. And there was a, a pre-show match between Big E versus Baron Corbin, which I accidentally missed for ups and downs. I forgot to watch. They've never done it before. That's how tired I was. I was up at half three that day to get SummerSlam done. And I forgot that there was a pre-show. Not that anybody cared. Although... There has been so like, Baron Corbin has been smashing this gimmick, and I haven't been able to see every single one of the um, uh, what do you call it uh, skits, but he absolutely did win some money in Las Vegas, and I think he then lost it all again. So I really do hope we have a bunch of video lineup for SmackDown because I think that will be fun. Also, Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar, as far as I am aware, are on SmackDown this week. So USA must be really pissed off because they ain't getting Goldberg no more. <laughs> all, the, all the other people they've been fired or they've been moved to friday nights i was pleased that raw did a good rating i know that sounds weird but i want more people to watch wrestling the more people watching wrestling and the more competition there is as we have proven over the last few weeks the better that it gets i think it did the best uh i think it's the second best rating of the year because i think the other one was the legends night in january i think out did post wrestlemania but i really really can't remember and good I, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that it did. I want to see what's going to switch in gears. I want to see if Finn Balor is going to come out on Friday because I imagine this Brock Lesnar thing was relatively last minute. And now we do have this big question mark with Finn Balor. I mean, maybe he's going to have his match with uh, John Cena at the Madison Square Garden show in a few months or a couple of weeks, I should say, which John Cena is performing at. But that could just be me, you know, looking into something that's not there. But he has to fight Roman. Like, he has to have a match with Roman Reigns. What I would do is if we do have a face-to-face -face segment with Roman and Brock, I would send Finn Balor out there. Not to get beaten up, but he can talk about the Royal Rumble match with Brock Lesnar, and he can just be, he can hold his own. And yes, he's going to look small compared to everybody else. I don't give a crap. I mean, that segues nicely into Walter versus uh, Ilya Dragunov. Couldn't pronounce his first name at all. I mean, if that isn't the quintessential piece of evidence you can show to anyone that says you've got to be big to do a wrestler, or if you've got to be fighting someone big, you need to be big. Absolute bullshit. That was booked... I use that word again perfectly. One of the best matches of the year. If you haven't seen it and you don't like violence, don't watch it. But they absolute kicked the crap out of each other. But I, at no point did I not entirely believe that Dragunov could take Walter down in the way that he was taking him down. It was like Walter had one big shotgun and Dragunov had about 22 pistols. <laughs> and eventually it was just too much because a, a gun will always take you down. And... We can keep seguing. This also ties into Adam Cole, who I think had his last match in NXT. Well, he almost definitely has. His contract expires on Friday. And everyone's going, is he going to Raw? Is he going to SmackDown? Is he going to go to AEW? As I always say, he's a human being. He's an individual. He's allowed to make his own mind up. But we have seen it. That It doesn't matter that he's not big. I mean, it does matter if he stays in WWE because Vince McMahon isn't going to change his mind. I mean, he's literally changing NXT right now to focus on 6'2", 240-pound men. I'm not sure what the woman edict is, but with the men, it's definitely that. And Adam Cole does not fit into that bracket. doesn't mean he couldn't be the exception to the rule. But you have to be worried about going on to, a Monday, uh, to Raw SmackDown if you are of that build. 
because of everything that's just happened and the amount of guys that have been fired due to it. And, of course, the, the, the way that they're looking going forward. I do think that it's a tough, um, a tough uh, decision for Adam Cole to make because there has to be a part of him that always wanted to be on the main roster of WWE. I think most people would agree with that. If you're a professional wrestler, that's what you want. You want to be at some point in WWE. But if you completely don't believe that you're not going to you're going to be used in the right way, then yeah, where does that leave you? Whereas with AEW, he'd literally be with his friends that are running the company, and he would just walk in there a star anyway because of the way that the fans would treat him. But I don't think it's mad that there's a small part of him that would want to see well, how can I do on the main roster? Which is why what I would do in sort of a weird way is maybe you sign for a year. You don't even have to worry about a no-cut clause. We sign for a year for a bunch of money. Try and get some perks in there if you can. But if you do get six months down the line and you're worried they're going to release you, well, that's okay because you can go to AEW. <laughs> it's, it's almost like it doesn't matter if he gets released and then at least he's given it a go and he won't regret it. But I think all three options... I think AEW is the best option given on what you may or may not want to achieve from a, a hierarchy standpoint. But again, let's not pretend that it wouldn't be awesome to be a major star on Raw and SmackDown. If that's what he's being told, he needs to decide, well, do I believe it or do I not believe it? But my point being, roundabout way, is there is another guy who is not the biggest of dudes. But if you present the story in the right way and he's facing off against Roman Reigns or flipping whoever, I can buy into that. And the fact that I truly think, I have to sit down and think about it, but at least top five, at least top two, top three, you know, Walter versus Dragunov is up there as a WWE or any kind of match this year in 2021. There's your evidence. It doesn't always have to be the same thing over and over again. But then saying that, there was that Nick Khan interview this week, which I'm sure most of us have watched, where they're doubling down on the WWE style, which they're allowed to do. And it's not like I'm against the WWE style. It just gets a little bit repetitive when you do it. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-view. There's a lot of wrestling TV out there. And what you want is creativity and diversity. That's what keeps you interested. But it's a wild time for wrestling. I tell you, the last few days have been excited. I'm absolutely pumped to see where we are going to go. We still need to figure out the futures of the likes of Daniel Bryan, Bray Wyatt, uh, Braun Strowman. That's another guy. Buddy Murphy. He's been releasing things. Ruby Riot. The Iconics. What are they going to do? Bronson Reed. There's so many people out there that could pop up, and I hope some do go to Impact. I think a Braun Strowman in an Impact would be really, really good. Doesn't mean he's going to go there. That's just what my gut feeling is. But there is a certain excitement when people do turn up in new companies, and given that we have Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt, who I assume are going to do the same at some point, well, you're probably not going to get a CM Punk reaction, but the reaction is, again, that's one of a kind. You are still going to get huge amounts of noises which does then almost transcend into mob mentality. And not only do these people feel like bigger stars because they're being treated like bigger stars, but fans want to be involved in that, whether you're a casual or hardcore or whatever. There is that kind of an effect. And I want it to happen for all companies, MLW, Ring of Honor, Impact, New Japan. I want everyone to come back swinging. I want everyone to build new stars. And I just want the creativity to go through the roof so that when we do watch wrestling, whatever you choose to watch, it feels better than it would have done otherwise. And that's why competition is so important. Right, at this juncture, you will have noticed that there was some funny, well, you probably didn't even notice it, but we have jumped forward about 24 hours or so so I can actually finish this damn thing. What did I tell you at the beginning? It's been a crazy time. But the reason this is quite good is because we can follow up all this CM Punk 
conversation because we've just seen him on AEW Dynamite and he cut a promo. I wouldn't say it was anything to go crazy about, but I know that beforehand I was very excited and I just enjoyed what he delivered. I think half of the fun is that he looks like he's having the best time of his life and that resonates through the screen and therefore I'm having the best time of my life. And the fact that he is putting Darby Allen over in the way he is, I think we talked about this earlier, making him a super duper megastar. Who else did he mention? I think Brian Pillman Jr. was there, Britt Baker, Jungle Boy. There's probably somebody else that I, I can't think of right now. And look, I don't want to get into who is the face of AEW, who isn't the face of AEW, but I do feel like he is a massive game changer. I mean, Tony Khan said, and I'm sure he means figuratively, but he said that CM Punk had basically paid for himself in the one night of being on television. And that's probably because he's seen the metric, he's seen the numbers, and he realizes what this could be, and he's very excited about it. So... I just think the whole thing is awesome. I did think Dynamite was a little bit weird. I will be completely honest with you there. I thought it was a very... It wasn't the uh, slam dunk show that I presumed it would have been. Didn't think it was bad by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, I thought it was going to be... I don't know, really. I don't know. Maybe I was just on a high and I wasn't actually thinking straight. But I thought it was a decent show. But there were a few things. I thought the opening match lacked that kind of bada bing, bada boom that Dynamite usually has. Um, the angle at the end, I liked a lot with Malachi Black, but I wouldn't have had... I think you had to slam Arn Anderson in the balls, but I wouldn't have him block it, just because now if, no, if anybody else doesn't block it, you're like, well, what's going on there? But look, that, that's me really pulling at straws. And I thought the QT Marshall, Paul White thing, I think the build, it just hasn't really clicked for me at the moment. And don't forget, that doesn't mean anything. Who am I? Some bald idiot on the... Bald idiot, some bald idiot on the internet. It was just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm still waiting for something to click and I don't think that it's happened yet. But I'm, I, st- I think the, the reason I don't care massively is because I'm very, very excited about All Out. And that is all WWE is trying to do at the moment, right? They're just trying to be, build All Out. That's it. So if they, uh, if they say WWE, my, my brain's gone nuts. Sorry, so many things are going on. All AEW's responsibility right now is to make me be excited about their pay-per-view, which they've done. Let's just move on for this because I'm clearly having a breakdown. I don't even know what I said there. My brain just, <laughs> my brain just, my brain just stopped working. We should also probably mention that promo by CM Punk too. He basically said Daniel Bryan. Everyone was chanting yes. He says that's not my shtick. You're gonna have to be a little bit more patient. And I think this is something up AEW's sleeve too, because now we have jumped right from being excited about CM Punk to getting it to then having Daniel Bryan, and maybe we get a Bray Wyatt, and maybe we get somebody else. You know, Maybe it's an Adam Cole whose contract actually expires tomorrow, according to all the wrestling reports out there, and then he has a choice to make. I'm going to presume that they've offered him a Raw or SmackDown position. So does he go to the main roster, or does he go to, uh, to AEW? We've already talked about this. I don't know why we're going over it again. It's because I forgot what I said. That's why, and it ties into the point I just made. I'm an absolute moron. Uh, they did film for Rampage this week too, but I'm not going to go over that. But I will say on that show, we are going to get the Jurassic Express versus the Lucha Brothers to find out who's going to face the Young Bucks in the tag team match all out of the cage. That is going to absolutely rock. Also, I think we've got Ty Conte versus the Bunny, I believe. And there's another match on that show, which is Christian and Frankie Kazarian against Brandon Cutler and Kenny Omega. How good? Kenny Omega, I think, was the star of the show on AEW. Well, him and CM Punk. When he started doing all the Edge references, I was having the time of my life. Genuinely, genuinely funny stuff. I don't think there's anything else going on in the world. Obviously, SmackDown that airs tomorrow is going to have both uh, Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch on it. We will see what they do with Becky Lynch, as already stated. It's going to be a fascinating thing. 
And we'll see what they do with Lesnar as well. It should do a good rating. I assume so. We'll have to wait and see. We shall now answer some questions that are a couple of weeks old. Or at least eight days old. I'm looking at it now. So some of them we may just have to we may just have to fly by. Have to fly by on. Example, Francis Reyes says, which match has been built better? Reigns versus Cena or Bobby versus Goldberg? I mean, in hindsight, it's completely crazy, but definitely Reigns Cena. I didn't think much of the Bobby Goldberg stuff altogether. Uh, and Ashley wants to know, should CM Punk win an AEW World Championship? I think we've talked about this already. I mean, yes. If the story makes sense, yes. I don't like this, or he's a certain age, or we shouldn't. No. Do what serves the story and do what serves the fans. That sounds like I'm yelling at you, Ashley. I'm not. I'm just yelling into the ether. Uh, Tyler asked me, what am I most looking forward to, SummerSlam or the CM Punk return? Well, I'm not going to lie. Beforehand, it was the CM Punk return, but it would be, right? SummerSlam was great on paper. We've had many good pay-per-views. The return of a popular wrestler after seven years... You know, it's one of it doesn't happen that often for you know for obvious reasons. Uh, Tim the Enchanter says, after fighting with my family, what other wrestling stories do you think are ideally suited for a movie adaptation? In the right hands, I think Brett versus Bulldog SummerSlam would make a great film, especially if it focused on Brett trying to hold his troubled friend together. I don't think we need to see that, Tim. <laughs> I don't need to see the British Bulldog whacked off his face on drugs and not being able to get through a match. I think it would just make me sad. I think the most obvious one is the the Screw Job, obviously. You know, November nineteen ninety seven. I think that would make for a great tale. There's probably loads that I can't think of right now. But yes, there's there's got to be a bunch that you could take of wrestling. And I mean, the fact you'd be able to do it with Paige, which I wouldn't have thought um, you'd be able to do, sums it up. It, and I think the real smart thing with that movie is it wasn't a wrestling movie that was for families. It was a family movie that just happened to be about wrestling. So they ticked all the usual tropes that you'd expect. But I think that really worked because it meant casual fans could go and watch it and it didn't seem too intimidating and they could get into it. Uh, Derpa Tog says, do you think given the landscape of wrestling at the moment that we eventually see Brock Lesnar versus Darby Allen? And I don't think we'll ever see that. I can't see Darby Allen ever leaving AEW because WWE would not treat him in the same way for the reasons that we're aware of. And WWE is going to keep offering Brock Lesnar so much money that they'll never let him go to AEW. I mean, I could be wrong. You never say never, but I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure. Uh, Aaron My Lung says, hey Simon, hope you're having a good day. There's been a heat wave in the US and it got me thinking if there was a wrestler who could control the power of the sun, who would it be? Uh, it's a very out of nowhere question. I'm going to say Miro because why the hell not? Uh, Evan says, why is it that Raw and SmackDown differ day and night? They're the same company, but it doesn't seem like it. Not like Raw does not have the talent to give us proper good storylines and entertainment. Well, a lot of people would disagree with you, and they think Raw and SmackDown are very similar. I think the reason I prefer SmackDown to Raw is because of the structure, and because, of course, it's only two hours. But I think having Roman Reigns as your top guy, and then having all these stories bleed almost off of that, is far better than what we do on Raw, which is always a bit hit and miss. Like, I nine times out of ten know that Roman Reigns is going to start and end the show. Doesn't mean you should do it that every single time. But it just feels more structured and Raw feels like an absolute roller coaster. So that's what uh, that's what I think. King says, Hey Simon, was watching a random episode of Raw when I realized Leaf Cassidy was Al So. I was wondering if you have experienced this with a famous wrestler who had an obscure early gimmick. I don't think so. And if I did, I would have forgotten now because I've sort of come to terms with all of these. Yeah, there are a bunch of wrestlers that were either under a mask or given a stupid name, much as Al Snow. But no, I think if I ever had done, it was so long ago. Now I've forgotten. So yeah, I can't answer it. Till says, Simon, I would like to, uh, to add to last week's questions about another podcast with Sterling to maybe start teasing a wrestling feud. I would pop for that as much as CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Well, me and Sterling have talked about that a lot. We would like to do something wrestling-wise. I mean, the world's going to have to go back to normal first. Can't even get into America at the moment. So it's a wait and see. But I certainly wouldn't be against it. 
Uh, Ruby Fan says, who doesn't have a match story at SummerSlam? Again, going back to the past that you think should. I would say Liv Morgan. The Sonya and Liv story would have been great. Or Liv and Zelina could have been great too. I mean, yeah, Liv Morgan. Um, uh, Tony Storm would have been nice to see. I would have said Baron Corbin. Well, he was on the pre-show, wasn't he? What I was going to say is everything they did in Las Vegas with him, I thought was tremendous. That was really... That's how you use social media in order to build to build narratives. I mean, there's probably lots of people, but I'm not, I don't think you should be putting every single wrestler on every single show. I think that's what WrestleMania suffers from, and it actively hurts WrestleMania. I think you need to put the people that are in the, the, the best spots into those positions. And, I mean, the problem with people like Liv Morgan is they're not even on SmackDown at the moment. I don't know why. It's bizarre. Hopefully it changes. Uh, Merck says, hey, Simon, love the content and all the things you do to bring a smile to my face. You're very welcome. Here's my question. With all the WW releases and AEW picking up wrestlers, do you think Tony and Vince are secretly working together and we don't know it yet? No, they're not. It would be mad. The fact that WWE is a publicly traded company, I'm pretty sure that's against the law. And it's just, it's a fun thing to think about, but it's just not true. And it's never going to be true. Again, I'm pretty sure you can't do that on a business stage without stepping on the toes of legality. <laughs> so they're not going to do it. Uh, McFluffy says, why can orgs, I think you mean organizations, such as Lucha Underground get away, get away with full-on mixed wrestling, but AEW and WWE only go as far as mixed tag teams occasionally? Would love to see some of the current females kicking some of the more annoying males' talents' asses. Well, they just decide not to do it. WWE doesn't want to do it because they think, out of context, it's going to look like, well, people would be able to clip men beating up women and post it on the internet. And I think Tony Khan has just said he's not a fan of that style of wrestling. But, I mean, you can see it in lots of other places. I think it's up to the choice of the promoter. And as I've always said, it's up to the two wrestlers that are in the ring. If people want to do it, great. If people are against it, I can understand that as well. But the coolest thing about wrestling is that there are no rules apart from the one that everybody has to tick the box. And I can see why AEW and WWE don't do it. And I can see why others uh, do do it as well. D says, you get to book a 10-man over-the-top rope battle royal with wrestlers from any decade in any promotion. Who are you picking to be in it and win? Well, I mean, it's just, the problem is I just pick all the stars because I'm trying to get people to my promotion. So I would bring Stone Cold Steve Austin. I would bring The Rock. I would bring the macho man Randy Savage. Who else would I bring? I would bring Kenny Omega. I would bring the Young Bucks, but they count as one because it's my rules now. I'm saying this. I would bring Chris Jericho. Can I, can I put female talent in there as well? We won't do that just based on the last question. I would put, um, oh man, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Ric Flair. My gosh, how can I get Ric Flair? The Undertaker, Cody Rhodes, and Braun Strowman. And I have Braun Strowman win because he's so big. How the hell is anybody going to be able to throw him out? Uh, Mr. Fantastic says, I know a lot of people didn't like the triple sell from WCW, but I think if AEW brought it back with today's talent, that triple sell would be game changing your thoughts. I think the triple sell was over complicating a stipulation that we already had, which was something that WCW was very good at. Why do you need it when a normal sell should be intimidating enough? Just my opinion. Gryphon says, what is that one odd wrestling match you saw that pops back in your head time and time again? Not your favorite match or the one you hate, but just an odd one that you can't understand why you think about it. I don't want to be this guy, Griffin. Could you Gryphon a minute ago? I don't have a match like that. That's a bit weird. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have random matches popping in my head unless I really like them for obvious reasons. So I cannot answer that question. Lakers says, who between Drew McIntyre or Big E would you like to see dethrone Roman Reigns and why? Or is there somebody else you have in mind? Big E, no question. Drew McIntyre's made. Big E needs a big win like that. 
to establish him as a main event dude. So I would like Big E to be the guy to dethrone Roman Reigns. Will he be? I'm 50-50 on it because I know what WWE is like, but that's a far better one. You know, Big E gets far more from it than Drew does. Uh, and Jay says, no question for me, Simon. I just wanted to wish everyone a wonderful Wednesday. This is how old this is. Have a splendid hump day, y'all. Be safe and help each other out if you can. Well, that's very nice, Jay. I appreciate it. Keiju says, if you could change the booking on any three matches in wrestling history, what would they be and what would you change? Well, I'd scrap the Montreal Screwjob straight away and I'd do the original smods that we were meant to do because I want to see Bret Hart in the Attitude Era. I'd also change the Sting Hulk Hogan match from Star K97. I always get that one wrong. I think so. And let Sting win properly because that's what the fans wanted. And I'd probably change Nexus versus uh, Team WWE at SummerSlam 2010 because I imagine Wade Barrett would still be around and I love Wade Barrett. Mr. Waffle says, time to bring back some Miller Instinct. Would you rather fight an Omos side Marco stunt or 10 Marco stunt size Omoses? An Omos side Marco stunt, that's basically Omos. Or 10 Marco stun. I think you always want the smaller things. It's easier just to boot them away. Kieran says, what are your thoughts on how Jeff Hardy is currently being used? Feel like he's just become a stepping stone. Not even in good matches. He is getting squashed. I, I mean, there's lots of people in WWE that you could say that about. Could WWE be using Jeff Hardy better? Absolutely. You know, absolute legend. People love him. He's got that sort of intangible quality that people just warm towards. But I don't know the story. But would I like to see him booked better, for lack of a better term? Yes. Yes, I would. Dylan says, among the moves you've taken, uh, which has been the scariest? Also, love the content you put out, my G. Thank you, man. Anything where people are diving at you from the top rope. Moonsault to the outside. Any kind of flippy shit off the top when you're laying there. They're the scariest moves because that's when everything can go wrong. Somebody gave me a flippy doodah thingamajig the other day. Just landed right on my leg. That <laughs> hurt like hell. But you take them because that's just the nature of the business. Ron says, what do you think will be the biggest wrestling story coming out of this week? Well, again, it's a hindsight question. And absolutely, the return of CM Punk may very well change the game. The Football Show says, why has the surprise roll-up been the most dangerous move in wrestling the last five years? Well, it's the most devastating move. Don't mean to correct you there. And because it always works. It's a kayfabe tactic and it never goes wrong. Uh, another Kieran says, after Corbin stole the briefcase from Big E, do you worry that WWE might be planning on taking it away from Big E? Or are they just setting up a short-term feud to give something both guys to do? Well, it was that one, Kieran. So thankfully, we're all good. Uh, Dave says, with New Japan making some big moves at Resurgent, who from New Japan do you want to see step foot in an AEW ring and against two? It's the usual people. I want to see Okada. I want to see... Um, uh, my, my, brain, my brain's just gone numb. Uh, what's his damn name? Suzuki. Thank you, my stupid brain. Naito, Tanahashi. All of, you know all the guys. Of course, anyone that is a major top tier talent you want to see come across because it's going to feel like an absolute big deal. I want to see the Gorillas of Destiny. You know, Tamatonga, my old pal. I'd love to see him in there. He may be coming to Impact. It seems like doing something with that, or maybe even it's just um, you know New Japan strong. But, I mean anybody, even Kojima coming across to fight John Moxie, I find exciting because it's just not something that we're used to. And freshness and newness is what I'm all about. Uh, Wrestling Mama says, when is the right time to end RK Bro? I mean, it doesn't matter. As long as it peaks at WrestleMania, in my opinion, or the Royal Rumble, or even Survivor Series, knowing how quick WWE does things. But as long as their first match is given time and the turn feels big and then it happens on a big show, which will also give it extra gravitas, I'm completely cool with... with, with I think you should do that. I think Riddle should be the good guy. I think Randy Orton should be the bad guy. They have chemistry. They're not going to be a long-term tag team because that's not what WWE does. So let's make the best 
of what has begun an awesome situation. So even better than that. Uh, Logan says, what are your top five matches of the 2010s decade in WWE Woof? Logan, those are one of those questions I, I cannot answer, which I know is a terrible thing, but I'll, I'll miss some. There's too many. I mean, top of my head, the CM Punk, John Cena, Money in the Bank's 2011 match. WrestleMania 30, obviously Daniel Bryan main event. Um, there will be some crazy TLC match in there or Money in the Bank match in there. I'm sure that I would have enjoyed. I mean, Daniel Bryan versus anyone <laughs> after he came back would probably be in there too. And there'll be something else as well. You really need lists to do that kind of a thing. There's been too many matches and I've watched too much content. Unspeakable Evil says, top five wrestlers you would want as a workout partner. Well, Triple H is right up there. Brian Cage, because he's going to whoop your ass. Vince McMahon, just for the stories. Bobby Lashley again and Brock Lesnar. Easy, that just came out. The Most Mystical says, might be boring, but how would you bunk see it? Book CM Punk's first year in AEW. Just run him through all the dream matches as possible. Get to Kenny Omega, have a good time. Let's not muck around with this. And Nero the Hero says, what are your thoughts on New Jack and why is he literally the greatest performer ever? Well, look, I don't want to, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead, but I always think you should be extra respectful when somebody has passed away. He was never really my kind of a guy. Like his violent, I, I loved his character, but his violent form of wrestling was just a little bit too much to me. And that's my fault. Well, not my fault, but that's, that's on me. That's not on him. It doesn't mean it shouldn't happen in wrestling, but I just could never get into it. Because again, it was just a little bit too edgy for me. But I mean, look, change the game in many ways left behind a legacy. I mean, there are a couple of things, obviously, like the mass transit incident, which should never be happening in professional wrestling. And that's another side I didn't particularly like. But you believed everything he did. And that's the goal of wrestling, you know, whether we like it or not. Laney says, what's your favorite gimmick match? And would you ever do one yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd, I want to do as many gimmick matches as possible. I think my favorite is probably... Alarm. I don't know, actually. My favorite gimmick match. I like, a hell, I like a steel cage. I like a hell in a cell. I like a ladder. I mean, these are all of them. I mean, I guess a street fight would be the one you'd want to do because you want to use weapons in a, in a safe way. So I guess I would go that one. Uh, Tom Buckley says, do you think students should be required to be fully vaccinated to attend face-to-face -face lectures? Incredible, Tom. You have taken the concept of a wrestling question and you have just run with it. I mean, I think everybody should get vaccinated, yes, but I don't think people want to hear me talk about that, so we'll move on. Uh, quickly says, why do you hate 50-50 booking, but you also hate surprise roll-up finishes? It seems to me you just want a card of place wrestler name here versus place jobber name here. Well, firstly, quickly, that doesn't make any sense as a question, but, you know, good try. I, I don't... This, this, is, this is a weird question because they're not mutually exclusive. I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say I hate 50-50 booking or surprise roll-up finishes. I think they have their place. But I think that WWE doesn't do enough clean finishes in order to elevate one talent and not de-elevate the other one, but leave them in their place. And the problem when you're doing 50-50 booking all the time is we don't get any new stars and the mid-card is bloated, which is what WWE is right now. But there have been loads of surprise roll-up finishes, which have been awesome. There has been 50-50 booking. You're like, oh my gosh, who's finally going to get this one? But the point is when you do do that, somebody does come out the other side as a proper victor and then usually goes on to some kind of world title program or championship run but when it doesn't go anywhere you're just like well it's a little bit dull i don't mind them doing it though look i'm still watching and i still find things to enjoy about it it's just not to my personal taste does it mean that wwe should stop doing it absolutely not because it's not my company it's theirs uh john richard says who will beat Britt baker i'm gonna say 98.9 percent .9 it'll be thunder rosa because aew does nice and simple stuff and that's the nice and simple stuff to do uh oregano says what do you think about mjf possibly coming out to the cult of personality on rampage lots of people said that i think it would have been a terrible idea when you have thousands of people who just want to see someone don't troll them south park found this out the hard way give them what they want that's what we did and it absolutely rocked uh bosses said are mjf and the miz the same character no, not at all. 
I mean, they're both cocky, loud assholes, but I think the way they deliver their work is completely different. So I disagree. James Ryan says, what's the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment? The surprise roll-up. You know this, James, and I know you do. Breenan says, if you could bring one AEW male and female superstar to WWE, who would it be? Well, Britt Baker and Kenny Omega, because right now they're smashing it. Uh, Symbol <laughs> says, do you think John Morrison will get at least one world championship reign before his last WWE run? I mean, I hope so. I've been saying this since the day he brought back him. Do I think it? I'm not confident, sadly, just because I don't think... I just don't think they see him in that light, which is nuts because he can be, and I would love to be proven wrong. Uh, Quagmire says, who would you love to have take a pile driver out of anybody on earth? That's a question. Boris Johnson. (laughs) Jake Murphy. What's your favorite pro wrestling video game? Either WrestleMania 2000 or No Mercy, or Here Comes the Pain. I love all three of them. Uh, Kenny says, who would win in a wrestling match? Simon or Philip Marks? Obviously, Philip Marks. I am nothing compared to that man. Who should dethrone Roman Reigns when the time comes? Said Jordan. We'll go with Big E because I think that works. Uh, Balaji says, do you think AEW will have more than four pay-per-views a year soon? I hope not because the strategy is working. Just do more special events on TV. And we'll do Todd that says, I've just subbed. Thanks, Todd. Everybody sub. Appreciate it. Uh, Someone's talking about the Simpsons. (laughs) What is my AEW versus WWE dream match, says Tarhon. Roman Reigns versus Kenny Omega. Because I just like main eventers going at it. It makes me me happy. Uh, I think that may be it. Oh, no. Here we go. WrestleSlam podcast says, you've just joined AEW. Man, I'm having a great day. Dream singles match. Dream tag team partner. Dream team for blood and guts. Dream singles match would probably be against Miro. (laughs) Because I'd be like, man, how the hell did I work myself here? Also would be Kenny Omega for obvious reasons. Dream tag team partner would be Sting. (laughs) How cool would that be? And dream team for blood and guts, which I believe is five, would be Miro, Sting, Kenny Omega, and CM Punk. Because the other one is me. Uh, Dr. Krista Bell says, The New York AEW show is going to likely debut Ruby Soho. Well, this man knows. How many shows after that do you wait to put the belt on her because she is instantly the best wrestler in your women's division? Now, I think you need to build her up because WWE did not treat her in the right way. So we almost have to hit reset with her and sort of reteach the audience how good she is. I do agree with you that she's great, but you don't want to rush that one too soon. I think it would backfire. Um, all these are about CM Punk. That's my fault. Shoe says, what do you think about the current landscape of NXT going back to what it once was? I think it's better long-term in terms of we won't have to be disappointed when people we like in NXT get brought up to Raw and SmackDown and they're not in Vince McMahon's vision, so they get squashed. At least these people, Vince will like because he will have a much bigger say in them. But the problem with that is it's going to feel a lot more cookie cutter like it used to. And I think there will be a lot more diversity, which also sucks because diversity is important. And we'll do one more because a lot of these are about CM Punk, which is my uh, problem, my problem, my issue. I'm, I dropped the ball there. The H stands for says, with all the number of releases and US indies seeming to pick up in recent months, do you see another British indie boom happening? Well, I'll tell you, my friend, maybe it's not as popular That's not even the right word I'm looking for. But maybe it's not as crazy as it was a few years ago. But as a man that is wrestling week in, week out, when it comes to um, uh, British wrestling, it's thriving. Every single match that I've done has had a sold-out crowd. Admittedly, sometimes it's 100 people. Admittedly, sometimes it's 250 people. So it's not huge audiences. But I haven't wrestled one show that hasn't been sold out. There are a bunch of wrestlers desperate to get back into it. And the scene, from that point of view, feels thriving. And a lot of people are making a lot of money. They're not making millions and millions of dollars. But they are putting on profitable shows, and they're able to pay the talent, which really is all a good business needs to do. So, yes, I know sort of, you know, when you had Will Ospreay and whoever else was smashing the game, and he had all these sort of uh, imports as well. 
it felt really exciting. But if you sort of dive into it now, it's equally as exciting in its own special way, especially hopefully as it comes back in a much better state than it used to. So I think we're in for good times all over the place, especially because there is a thirst now to go to live shows for obvious reasons. So I'll keep my fingers crossed and we'll move on from there. We shall also end the podcast and I will apologize again. As I said, I will definitely try to get back into a proper routine. I mean, just to sort of sum up, I've done so much videos over the last two days. I'm actually losing my voice. I can feel it going. So that's probably my tomorrow. But thank you so much for joining me as always. Shout out to Pins and Knuckles for always helping out with my merchandise, pinsandknuckles.com. Make sure you follow me on my YouTube channel. Just search for Simon Miller at Simon316 on Twitter and Instagram. I've got simonmiller.bigcartel.com for my merchandise, patreon.com forward slash Simon316 if you want to help support the podcast. And thank you to everyone that does. It only exists because of you. You're very nice people and you allow me to do what I do. Make sure you have nice days, evenings, mornings, whatever, and I'll talk to you soon.